With Halloween just around the corner, my family has plenty of tricks and treats planned. But thanks to Pampers, one thing I have never been afraid of is a leaky diaper. Fear no leaks with new and improved Pampers Swaddlers, now featuring a blowout barrier at the back waist that helps prevent up to 100% of leaks, even blowouts. We've always looked forward to getting the girls dressed up for Halloween when they were babies. And with Pampers, we knew that in addition to being absolutely adorable in their costumes, they would be dry, clean, and comfortable. With Swaddlers, you can rest assured that you have superior leak protection while keeping baby skin healthy. Pampers Breathe-Free Liner wicks away wetness, allowing baby skin to breathe, while the lock-away channels help keep baby skin dry and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologists approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Pampers Swaddlers are available in sizes newborn to size 8 and now feature designs with the newest animal characters, Shiloh the Elephant and Freddy the Duck. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. A little update on our March 27th live recording of Latina to Latina. You did it. You sold out our early bird tickets. Thank you, thank you, thank you. There is still time to grab your regular tickets while they last. Again, the details. We are partnering with our friends at Poderistas to bring you a conversation with New York Times bestselling author Sochil Gonzalez. It is happening at the William Vale in Brooklyn on March 27th. You can find the link to purchase tickets on our Instagram page at Latina to Latina or online at Alicia Menendez XO. I cannot wait to see you. We talk a lot on the show about career pivots, but my friend Alicia Fernandez did something much more dramatic. She put a pin in her uber successful career in social impact in order to become an intern. It is all the subject of her first book, My What If Year, a memoir about four internships, three countries, two kids, and one life-changing misadventure. Alicia's quest to figure out what might have happened if her life had taken a different path. This conversation is my quest to figure out how anyone who wonders what if, and who has not wondered what if, can learn from Alicia's experience. Alicia, hi. Hi. I'm so excited to be here. I can't even tell you. Alicia, I want to start with how you and I know each other, which is that we went to college together. And because our names are oddly similar, Alicia Menendez, Alicia Fernandez, people would like bring me your mail, Alicia. (laughs) I'm so sorry for that. Did I even get any mail? I think this is for you. And I'm like, look at the letters. They're different. I have actually the most vivid memory of meeting you for the first time. I think it was at like a mixer for the women's studies department, the formerly known as women's studies department. And I feel like you were in sweatpants and you just were like very cool and relaxed and really smart. And I was like, oh, we have the same name and she seems awesome. This could be bad for me. (laughs) (laughs) Alicia, I think what was so interesting to me about reading your book is that In the years that have followed our knowing one another and being friends in college, I watched your life progress as I watched so many college friends' lives progress via Facebook and Instagram. And on Facebook and Instagram, your life looked truly perfect. Sort of early love, what seemed like a really happy, great marriage, these two cute little kids, a career that was 
thriving and blooming. And all of that was true. Yep. Was true. Wasn't a lie. Was true. Was not a lie. Tell me about that sort of, is there a moment or there a series of moments where you realize this isn't it, this is not enough? I can pick out little snippets, almost like a movie if I was watching scenes. The beginning of 2018, I went to Davos, to the World Economic Forum, which for me was like a big career goal. It was in my field to be able to go to the World Economic Forum at Davos was really like a pinnacle moment. And I was there and thinking I should have been enjoying myself and it was very cold and I was miserable and it just felt felt empty. It felt not right. And so I spent a long time trying to figure out how to engineer it so it did feel right. I was like, no, 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 this is, I just need, I need some more hobbies or I need some more time with my kids or I need to take up knitting because that's really what's going to make me feel, I need to do all this self-care. But there was this like nagging feeling all the time. I need to do something else. This isn't right. And I was terrified. I was terrified of what that kind of change would mean because my life was objectively great. You know, I have had and have my wonderful husband. My kids are, you know, kids, but like generally delightful. And I have all the professional success that I had ever wanted. And it just wasn't enough. And it felt like, am I really going to throw a bomb into this like very carefully organized and planned life and do something that I have no idea what the outcome would be? And so that was like a slow a slow process, I think, with definite moments in between. And then it kind of got to the point where it felt like I couldn't not do it because I felt like I was drowning. And I was upset. I was sad. I was crying all the time. I was like, I have to do something. It's got to be big. Here is this insane idea to go do a whole bunch of internships. This has got to be the thing or else, you know, what am I going to do? Tell me about how this idea came together of this being a slate of of internships, because I think a lot of our listeners have had that moment of great unhappiness. And we've talked to other Latinas who have either gone traveling for a year with their family or have left their corporate job to start their own thing. I don't know that anyone has ever done something as experimental. How did this idea come together? The idea that was in my head forever was this desperate need to somehow want to understand and be part of the field of musical theater. Like I know that like there's, you know, Miami has, I suppose, a burgeoning musical theater culture, but not really known for it out of small circles. But my parents were both obsessed with musicals, you know, including my Cuban dad who grew up in Hialeah. But when he married my mom, they started listening to musicals together. So I just, I've loved, I've loved musicals forever. And I would go to see a musical and I'd be walking out with this buzz and thinking, I would do anything, actually anything to be part of this. I would just go and get coffees for people. But it was very facetious, like, oh, this is like, that's never actually going to happen. And then I had this like very transformational girls weekend with two of my college roommates. We were very much in this vein of like, what would you do? And we were kind of like, had a few martinis. And I was like, you know what? Like, I would love to be an intern on Broadway. Like, that's what I want to do. Then we left and we all went back to our normal lives. But for me, then that idea was like in my head, like, maybe I could do this. But it took eight months at least of like working that out in my head, feeling there was no way I could do it because it was insane. And this was kind of coinciding with this feeling of just desperation. Like I needed to shake up my life. I had to do something different. And so I talked about it mostly as a joke with people like my husband and my family. And 
finally, it was just like, I was really a moment with my husband. He was like, why aren't you doing this? He was like, just, just do it. Stop talking about it and just do it. Figure out when you can do it. Take a month off. We'll figure it out with the kids. Just put it in the calendar, set yourself a goal. That's always what I have to do. Have to have a goal. And then let's work toward it. And that was really the beginning of then thinking, okay, if this is a project, how am I going to do it? What fields would I want to work in? Who do I know? How am I going to take it forward? What did that outreach look like? Because I've tried to draft the email that you must have written in my head several times. And it's like, hey, I'm Alicia. I have an amazing business and a Harvard degree, and I want to be your intern. It's like, (laughs) all right, this is like a fishing expedition. It was not dissimilar from that. In fact, you could have basically just changed the spelling of our names and you more or less would have had the email that I sent out to people. Um, You know, I tried a lot. I did like a full resume and I kind of explained it up front. I was like, this is an unorthodox request. I want to come in and learn about what you do. This is my background. I've made very clear that I was willing to do actually anything. Like I will file papers. I will get coffee for people. I will sweep up trash. Like I'll do anything you want. I just kind of want to have this life experience. Would you consider it? And for the most part, nobody wrote me back. I mean, I can't even tell you how hard it was to get an unpaid internship. (laughs) I think that's an important point in life, Alicia, which is I used to think that you would like write one email where it's like, can you please be my mentor? And the person would write back and be like, I'd love to be your mentor. And it's like, actually, people just sometimes don't even, it's not even that you got to know. It's that the amount of outreach for basically anything and the accepting of people are not going to close the loop because they're busy too. Mm -hmm. That does not mean that you should stop going. No. No. I mean, being a consultant is good training for rejection all the time, I think. So I figured it was a numbers game, right? Like if I reached out to enough people, if I sent enough emails, people would write me back. I asked friends, any anybody, I went on LinkedIn like a crazy person. I was like, does anybody know anybody who knows anybody who does any of the things that I want? And in the end, it ended up being people that knew me, people that trusted me enough to say, yeah, this is strange, unorthodox, but we know Alicia. We know she's going to do a good job. Let's see how it goes. When my babies were going through their exploration stage, I had so much to worry about. Falling over, bumping heads. What did she just put in her mouth? The list was endless. But when they were in pamper swaddlers, I knew I never had to worry about a leaky diaper. Swaddlers are great for both baby and mommy. They keep your baby's skin healthy and dry with Pampers Breathe-Free Liner, which wicks away wetness, allowing your baby's skin to breathe. Swaddlers have always given me peace of mind knowing that diaper rash and leaky diapers were not in our future. There's also the blowout barrier at the back waist to help prevent up to 100% of leaks, even blowouts. Pamper Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic and free of parabens and latex. Your baby deserves that. And they're available in a wide range of sizes from newborn to size eight and now feature designs with the newest animal characters, Shiloh the Elephant and Freddy the Duck. Having a diaper you can depend on is important, and it's why I have always loved Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today to start earning rewards with every diapers and wipes purchase. Not to mention, get great parenting content with Pampers Club. Hi, Latina to Latina listeners. It's Brenda from Tamarindo Podcast. And if you love Latina to Latina, then we know that you're going to love Tamarindo Podcast. And if you're in the L.A. area and can't make it to the Latina to Latina live event, we'd like to invite you to our event on March 28th. 
at 6.30 p.m., we're hosting Amigas Blossoming, a night of celebrating and cultivating blossoming friendships. This will be in Highland Park, and all the details to RSVP for free are at tamarindopodcast.com forward slash events. Hey, Red, what are you up to? Just making sure all the M&M's gifts are wrapped and the ball is filled. Remember that one holiday party when we had no M&M's? Oh, boy, I still have nightmares. The cookies? Yeah, you used all the M&M's candies that were meant to decorate the party treats to decorate snowmen. You did it again, didn't you? <laughs> they do look cute, though. Bringing cheer, M&M's for all fun kind. This represents, I think, the bulk of the book, which is sort of the stories of what happened during the period of your being an intern. So if you could just sort of pull out for me either your favorite story, your favorite memory, biggest mistake, like what in this big period of time most jumps out to you? Oh God, there's so many. I mean, my biggest mistake, how can I pick just one? Like, I think that I was so bad at so many of the things that I did, which is a really unusual feeling for me. I'm a real striver and I am a person who has always tried to do the stuff that I'm good at. So all of a sudden working in a hotel, in a restaurant where I have to carry plates and use hand-eye coordination and remember which table has which dietary requirements. And like, I'm a very clumsy person. So I was bumping into chairs. I was breaking glasses. Like, I spilled an entire bottle of Coke on myself in front of the person I was supposed to serve it to and then had to finish my shift in that same outfit. I checked somebody into a room where another person was already in there undressed. I mean, the hotel and restaurant internship, God bless them. But the most memorable Broadway, that was my dream. And like, it was cut short. I did it. You know, I left for New York on February 29th, 2020. I was supposed to be there for a whole month. COVID happened, Broadway went dark, but those few weeks sitting in that rehearsal space was everything I always wished and hoped it would be. It was a true dream. And so that has stayed with me. But I have stopped saying no to things just because I'm worried I'm going to be bad at them. And I have tried to look at them as opportunities to learn, to grow, and to be really intentional about putting myself in those situations where I am uncomfortable where I don't know the most in the room, where I'm doing something that feels scary, because that was the whole point of this. And that was the biggest takeaway for me. I wasn't doing that enough. That was part of why I was feeling, I think, just so stuck. And so now I am really, it's a conscious effort. It's an everyday effort to not feel stuck again. And I think that's a big part of it. I want to know when it became clear to you that this was a book or that you were interested in putting this into a book. But I'm also interested in in, books are not easy to get published. What did that require of you? How did you make that happen? Hard work and luck, like everything, right? Like definitely both in almost equal measure. At the very beginning, in this kind of girls weekend One of my college roommates had suggested I write a book about this and we had a title. She was like, call it the 40-year-old intern. You'll do it for your 40th birthday. I was like, yes, I love it. And I loved- You bought the Instagram, not you bought, but you registered for the Instagram handle. Had the Instagram. I bought the domain. I did all the things. I was like, I love this. This is my new brand, 40-year-old intern. Like this is what I'm gonna do. I was only 38, but it didn't matter. I was still gonna be the 40-year-old intern. So there was kind of this idea, but I really did not take it very seriously because 
I love books. I've always loved books. But just the idea that I could write a book did not seem at all feasible to me. It's like a lot of words, a lot of pages, and not something I had ever done. But as I would try to tell people what I was doing and really try to make the space to do it, so to tell the headmistress at my kid's school that I wasn't going to be on the parent council next term because I was going to New York to sit in on some Broadway and off-Broadway shows. You know, I found that if I said to people, oh, and I'm going to write a book about this at the end, they were like, oh, okay, well, you have a goal. So the fact that there's an outcome to this that's not just your personal fulfillment makes it so much more palatable to everybody. So then it started to be like a convenient excuse. And I did some pretty like heavy journaling throughout, but mostly because I didn't want to forget it. But it was not anything I really took seriously until probably the first lockdown. I got back and my husband was like, are you going to write something about, you know, are you going to like pull this together? Is What about this book idea? Is this still happening? And I was like, no, it's too raw. I'm miserable. I can't believe we had to, I had to leave New York. I can't believe the kids are not in school. And I did not feel emotionally like I could go back and look on that time. But I had a lot of spare time in the evenings after the kids were in bed and there was, you know, no going out and no seeing other people where I then went back to those notes and those journals and started to write and started to put some ideas together. And pretty soon I had like a section that I had written about, about this time in my life that was now going back to it, like pretty bad, but you know, it was something, it was finished. I had written it and it was done. And so I kept that up as I went along. I wrote after every internship when I finished the last internship. And then I felt like I kind of knew how my story ended. I went back and relooked at everything else. And then I realized I had written like 80,000 words. I was like, all right, this is something that could be a book. And then I did what I do for everything in my life. I made a spreadsheet. I wrote down every single agent that I thought would possibly be interested in this. But always with this, like, the experience was enough. It's okay if this doesn't become anything else because this was already enough for me. But I've done all this work, so let's see what's going to happen. And I queried 41 different agents. And I just got a few rejections and a lot of ghosting. Like a lot of people just never wrote me back, but I kept it up just like finding the internships. I figured maybe it was a numbers game, but all the while kind of making these other plans for my life that had nothing to do with writing. And then finally an agent wrote me back and she was like, let me see the rest of what you've got. She asked to represent me and we did a lot of work on editing the book. But my publishing process was completely like, a Cinderella story because in the meantime, while I had been writing and in lockdown and doing all these things, I had gotten the advice that a debut writer, no profile to speak of online, needed to have some other published writing under their belt. And so I started working on essays, like short essays that were kind of little snippets from the book. And I found this woman named Zibby Owens on Instagram. And Zibby had a small essay blog at the time called Moms Don't Have Time to Write. So I submitted the essay. And she wrote back within like 24 hours in her very patented like Zibby energy. She was like, I love this. I'm going to publish it. Let's get on a Zoom call. Let's figure out what this is all about. We kept in touch. I published another piece with them. I told her, have an agent. You know, this is very exciting for me. And as we were getting the package ready that was going to go out to different publishers, I got a two-line email from Zibby that just said, I'm starting my own publishing company. Have you sold your book yet? If not, I want to publish your book. So... They launched a company, they signed me, and my book is going to be the first book out that they published, which, so it's like a startup publishing company, startup book, but it's been so exciting. I have felt so supported. I do not think I have had the traditional publishing experience from what I hear from other people because I've had like a community with me the whole time. And that has been an amazing, amazing feeling. 
But nothing about this is traditional. And but it, it, I mean, it was a risk. Like once the book was out and we were like, okay, we're going to do this. Whatever I do, I throw myself into 100%. So once I was doing the book, I was like, right, we're going to do this book. We're going to do it right. But I was up for the ride because I'm going to see where this goes and I'm going to hustle and try to make it work. Hi, Latina to Latina listeners. It's Brenda from Tamarindo Podcast. And if you love Latina to Latina, then we know that you're going to love Tamarindo Podcast. And if you're in the L.A. area and can't make it to the Latina to Latina live event, we'd like to invite you to our event on March 28th at 6.30 p.m. We're hosting Amigas Blossoming, a night of celebrating and cultivating blossoming friendships. This will be in Highland Park, and all the details to RSVP for free are at tamarindopodcast.com forward slash events. Part of the subtext of your story is that you had the financial means to step away from the business for about a full calendar year in order to do this. And that's just not going to be the case for a lot of people. But I wonder if there is a way to microdose a what if year. Like if even just the value of a of a what if week or a what if month should someone have that luxury can still create the same type of change. Yes, without question. The original plan and what ended up happening was sort of short sabbaticals from work, which only was a reality because my husband and I had built a business and we owned that business. And so we were in a position where I could manage enough of what I needed to do nights and weekends and sort of around this period. But I absolutely think any kind of experience, any time that you can make for yourself to try something like this is really worthwhile. It doesn't even have to be an internship or another job. It could be a class, right? Like there are so many online classes. If your whole life you have been interested in songwriting or composing music, you go onto edX and there's like 50 free courses that you can take. It's going to take effort. If you have kids, you are probably going to have to do it after they go to bed or in the morning before they wake up or on your lunch break. I devoted a lot of resource to this project, but time was a huge resource I devoted to this because there was a lot of other stuff in my life that I couldn't just say goodbye to because I was off doing these internships. That included parenting, that included being a spouse, and that included continuing to make sure the company was running in the way it needed to, even if I wasn't there doing the day-to-day nine-to-five but I was desperate to do it. I put in the time. I made the time. My sleep suffered and lots of other things. So it's not without recognition of the extraordinary amount of privilege I had to be able to do this, but there was a lot of hard work and effort. And I think making a space and the time for your what if course, your what if day, your what if week is so, so vital. There are so many ways, I think, to push yourself into visualizing what is the life that might look different from your life now that you want that doesn't need to be in any way similar to the way that I did it. But fundamentally, the same theme is still there. Alicia, I love you so much. I love you too. Thank you so much. And congratulations. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. Latina to Latina is executive produced and owned by Juleka Lantigua and me, Alicia Menendez. Paulina Velasco is our producer. Cochin Tashiro is our lead producer. Trent Lightburn mixed this episode. We love hearing from you. Email us at hola at latinatolatina.com. Slide into our DMs on Instagram or tweet us at latinatolatina. Check out
check out our merchandise at latinatolatina.com slash shop. And remember to subscribe or follow us on Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Good Pods, wherever you're listening right now. Every time you share the podcast, every time you leave a review, you help us to grow as a community. A little update on our March 27th live recording of Latina to Latina. You did it. You sold out our early bird tickets. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There is still time to grab your regular tickets while they last. Again, the details. We are partnering with our friends at Poderistas to bring you a conversation with New York Times bestselling author, Sochil Gonzalez. It is happening at the William Vale in Brooklyn on March 27th. You can find the link to purchase tickets on our Instagram page at Latina to Latina or online at Alicia Menendez XO. I cannot wait to see you.